I suppose my expectation at that point was the, the article would be retired to a library as a scholarly uh, uh, treatment of the subject. But what happened instead was uh, two days later, I got a call from the media because they had become aware of my article. And, and, and all of a sudden, people were asking me to share with them knowledge they had on the subject. And, uh, and, that, and that just grew in intensity. The 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is probably best known for what is the fourth and final section, which spells out the way the President of the United States can be removed from office if they're alive but unable to fulfill the duties of the office. But the second section, which clarifies the process for replacing a vice president, is actually worthy of consideration as well, now that President Trump has become the third president in the country's history to be impeached and is facing a trial in the U.S. Senate. John D. Furyk, Dean Emeritus, and the Norris Professor of Law at Fordham Law School was instrumental in getting the amendment passed. In October 1963, Furyk, then a recent graduate of Fordham Law, published an article in the Fordham Law Review on the subject. And just a month later, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, prompting members of Congress to revisit the subject. Four years later, in February 1967, the amendment was passed. We sat down with him to learn more. I never realized that if it were not for the passage of the 25th Amendment, Richard Nixon would not have had a clear path to choosing a replacement for his vice president, Spiro Agnew, when he resigned before him in 1973. Because he was able to appoint Gerald Ford as a replacement, Nixon could afford to resign, which he did in August 1974, without fear that the then Democratic Speaker of House would become president. Now, of course, it's something that could come into play if the U.S. Senate removed Trump from office and Mike Pence needed to then appoint a new vice president, lest Nancy Pelosi be next in line for the presidency. When you were working with Senator Birch Bayh to craft the amendment, were you playing through these kinds of scenarios? Yes, uh, and the reason uh, uh, they were part of the conversation is because if you look back in the history of the country, there was a period of 37 years uh, where there was no vice president. And uh, the next in line was uh, 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 in a statute. Uh, so there was no way to uh, replace a vice president. And, uh, and, uh, and we saw all the reasons why uh, there should be a replacement uh, provision uh, because uh, the line of succession made it possible, uh, the 1947 line of succession, for the other party to uh, take over halfway through a president's term uh, if something happened to the president and, and there was no vice president. And uh, so that kind of scenario was very much uh, uh, in our, our, not only our, our minds, but in, in conversations. And then you got to see it be tested in real life when Spiro Agnew then resigned. I mean, how shocking could that have been? It was very shocking to me. I was a young lawyer at the time, and uh, the idea of uh, allegations of criminal conduct by, by the vice president, uh, uh, I think prior to his uh, vice presidency, but uh, there might have been some lingering aspects to it. Uh, it, was something, it was new, and, and uh, it was shocking. And, uh, and, and yet there was this new amendment uh, in place to replace the vice president, and, Ger and Gerald Ford uh, was chosen for that purpose. Now, the issue of succession is obviously was not new at the time. And in fact, the law had been changed just 20 years earlier. 
when President Truman presided over a law that restored the Speaker of the House to third in line from the presidency. Now there are proposals to change the law again. What should be done, in your opinion? My own view of, uh, of the subject, uh, which I first expressed when I wrote a book uh, uh, published by the Fordham University Press called From Failing Hands, was ideally a, a cabinet line of succession uh, uh, so that uh, if anything happened to the president uh, uh, and the vice president, uh, 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 having a, a cabinet line of succession that uh, assures the continuation of the administration that, uh, that began at beginning of a presidential term. And, uh, and, and we've had such a line of succession from uh, 1886 to 1947. And uh, I think that that, that line was, was uh, uh, much better at assuring continuity in, in the presidency than the 47 law. What were they thinking in 1947? Why did they do that? I mean, if it's, it seems like they had a process that you say was a good one in the first place, why did they feel the need to change it anyway? Well, I think the theory was that the, uh, uh, the existing president could choose his successor uh, because uh, uh, the successor would be in the cabinet uh, where the, uh, the, the sitting president would have a chance to nominate. And once that person is confirmed, he would have uh, essentially put in place, if something happened to the vice president at that time, uh, 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 a, a, a person, and, and President Truman felt uh, a more democratic process in terms of choosing a president would be to have an elected person, such as the Speaker, uh, tap for that kind of service. And so the Speaker went in the line of succession, the 86th line of succession. The speaker went in first, President Pro Tem went in second, and then the Cabinet. So, so the Cabinet was kept in place in the line of succession, uh, after the speaker and the president pro tem. So it was a way of sort of empowering, I guess, members of Congress as opposed to the presidency, bringing that branch of the government into more of a uh, equal stature, I guess, to the presidency? Not so much that. It's more the fact that, the uh, say, the speaker uh, uh, is chosen by the representatives of the people from all over the country to mm. be the speaker. And so does that an indirect but very strong democratic uh, uh, presence there uh, because of uh, people being elected. When did you know that this was the thing you really wanted to put a lot of work into? I would say uh, uh, about the time I was graduating from law school, mm -hmm. uh, 1961, I was a political science major at, at Fordham College. Uh, I fell in love with the Constitution because of uh, the, maybe the best teacher I ever had, professor at Fordham College, William Frasca. Mm -hmm. And then at law school, I continue, I expressed my interest in the Constitution on the law review by writing uh, uh, notes for publication, as other students were doing, on constitutional subjects. So I, I had a hankering for continuing uh, uh, to write, which I had done at, 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 on the law review at the law school. And I happened to see uh, that subject as the subject of disability of a president being a, a lingering weakness in the Constitution. And it just struck me as something that would be very interesting to tackle. And I had some experience with succession when I was uh, vice president of the student body at Fordham College. 
I was vice president uh, of the student body at Fordham, and we and, and the vice president had authority to decide uh, uh, election issues, and uh, and an issue developed during my uh, my uh, tenure when. Uh, uh, the, the people who were going to replace um, the, uh, our, our group, uh, we were in, 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 in senior year, you had third year, uh, people were elected to be the new officers. The president who was just elected in that ticket the year after me uh, was medically not well, and he resigned the position. Others said then uh, it's the other person that... Uh, the other candidate for the presidency should become the president. I, I, and I said no, because under the student constitution, the vice president succeeds to the presidency. And, and, and that ruling uh, uh, stuck so you got, uh, by, you, the, by the uh, Fordham Court. So you had a little practice here for, yeah, for, so for I had, a much bigger I had, issue. I had a little, a, little <laughs> a little succession experience. When I got out of law school, I became interested in the subject. And I wrote this uh, uh, article after looking at how other countries dealt with uh, pres presidential succession, how the states dealt with uh, succession uh, to the governor's office, and I did all, read all the articles and debates and, and the like. And, uh, and I finally finished the article, and it was published in uh, uh, um, October of 1963. And... Uh, my thought at that point was I sent reprints of the article around to people who had an interest in the subject, and uh, uh, little did I realize that uh, a month later, uh, oh, a month later, President of the United States would be assassinated. The week before President Kennedy was assassinated, uh, I had communications from his brothers and and the White House because they got a copy of the reprint of uh, of my article. Said they had an interest in the subject. They uh, they uh, thanked me for sending the reprints. I had also from uh, 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 President Nixon. He was uh, uh, a former vice president at that point for Eisenhower. And I suppose my expectation at that point before the uh, assassination was the, the article would be retired to a library as a scholarly uh, uh, treatment of the subject. But what happened instead was the uh, uh, day after the, uh, the president's assassination, I got a call from uh, uh, the media, uh, or two days later, I got a call from the media because they had become aware of my article, uh, because it was commented on in, in the uh, New York Times on Sunday the 24th of 1963. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, people were asking me to share with them the knowledge they had on the subject. and. Uh, and that, and that just grew in intensity. Uh, I was asked by the American Bar Association to be part of a, a small group, 12, 12 people, most of whom were very senior to me, uh, uh, to look at the Constitution and uh, see uh, how it might be addressed in terms of disability. And our recommendations uh, uh, became very important to Senator By and leaders of Congress, and we joined together, uh, so to speak, uh, in terms of uh, promoting the idea of a constitutional amendment. Thinking a little bit about impeachment, since that's what's in the news right now, we now have two articles of impeachment that have been passed by the House of Representatives and are going to be debated in the United States Senate. The current articles of impeachment are, to paraphrase, number one, 
President Trump abused his power by soliciting foreign interference by pressuring an ally, Ukraine, to announce an investigation into a political rival, former Vice President Joe Biden, while withholding military aid and dangling a head-of-the-state meeting, thereby corrupting the integrity of the United States elections. And number two, Trump obstructed Congress, a co-equal branch of government, by withholding documents and preventing witnesses from testifying, thereby impeding Congress's investigatory power. So this will be the third time this has happened in your life, if you count Richard Nixon, who resigned before he could be impeached. What's different this time around? Let me let me let me come at that question uh, a little broadly. Um, uh, an impeachment uh, uh, trial or an impeachment uh, in the House uh, of a president is a very horrible kind of thing. It's uh, it's uh, and yet uh, because there's serious allegations that have been brought. And it needs to be dealt with in the process the framers of the Constitution put in the Constitution. Uh, and uh, and uh, back in, uh, in the time of Lincoln, uh, we probably never had a more hostile relationship between the Congress and the president uh, uh, because of Reconstruction. In, in terms of, uh, of Nixon, uh, uh, we had a... Uh, uh, a, a situation where the president, uh, uh, counselors and advisors, and uh, as I see it, encouraged him uh, uh, to resign, and uh, and so we never went to have an impeachment vote or or a trial. Uh, in terms of Clinton, of course, uh, uh, um, there were allegations about sexual misconduct that became. Uh, part of the articles of, uh, of uh, impeachment, and we had a trial. And, uh, and the one thing uh, I, I've noticed uh, uh, in just a limited reading I've done about uh, uh, Clinton is that the uh, leaders in the Senate, both political parties, the, uh, 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 Lott and Daschle, uh, worked very closely together to uh, develop rules uh, that were eventually approved by the uh, the whole the whole Senate, and uh, and uh, and were very attentive to uh, uh, the Constitution, in in terms of the seriousness of the matter and the uh, obligations uh, uh, members of Congress had in the two different bodies. Uh, I, I'm not sure where this is at right now, in terms of the if it. If it, it, it hasn't gotten to the Senate, it may get to the Senate uh, very shortly, and uh, and uh, and I certainly, as as a citizen, will be looking very carefully at how how the, the leaders in the Senate of both parties uh, uh, go about uh, uh, their responsibilities under the Constitution. My expectation would be that uh, this Congress, as their predecessor Congresses. Uh, despite the differences that are there, obviously, uh, will be very mindful of their obligations under the Constitution. So you still have faith that, that what was written down and the rules that were set forth will, will help us kind of get through this? I believe so. And it has in the past. And, uh, and, and uh, I think it was 1868, uh, uh, 
it was more hostility, I mean, uh, uh, between the president, uh, between the executive and the legislature than probably ever before in the history of our country, including now. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I feel like when you think about these things, knowing the history of, of the, the country and how we've gone through periods of strife, as it were, uh, must be somewhat comforting to you when you look around at seeing what's happening now. Uh, uh, very much so. I think we have a we have a process. Uh, if 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 after this experience, people want to uh, uh, reexamine what the uh, what the uh, Constitution has given us, uh, they have a right to do so. And uh, and we've we have changed provisions in the Constitution, but this impeachment process uh, comes into the Constitution, influenced greatly by. Uh, English uh, uh, legal history and parliamentary history involving uh, impeachments, involving high crimes and misdemeanors, the very same terminology we have in our Constitution, has a long history. And, uh, and I, I think it's how do you, how do you make it work? You know, what, what are your rules? You know, what, what is the, uh, uh, how do you deal with uh, getting information? How do you deal with witnesses? We're going to, there's a, a lot yet to be done here. Now, I understand you'll be delving into a lot of this in a memoir that's going to be coming out in April. For the last 18 years, I've been taking account of uh, where I am in life and as the oldest of, uh, of immigrant parents who came here and uh, they uh, uh, had no high school education, but uh, America offered them a promise of a, of a, of a better life. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, uh, and I talk about uh, that uh, history of, in my family, and 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 then I talk about my own life, because my own life uh, was very much tied to the dream my parents had for all of their children: uh, 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 pursue opportunities that come your way, and 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 contribute as best you can. All of that's wrapped up in this book. It's called uh, "That Further Shore," uh, a memoir of. Irish Roots and American Promise. So you've been working on it for 18 years? 18 years. Wow. That's going to be very gratifying to see that finally hit the, uh, hit the shelves. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Was it hard to do? Was it hard very, to sum very, it all up? Yeah, very hard. And uh, initially, uh, uh, the idea of my uh, writing a book about myself, uh, so to speak, uh, I, I'm not comfortable with that. But I said it wasn't about myself, really. Uh, yes, it's about myself in one sense. Uh, it really was about uh, my parents and their dreams. And, uh, and I did have uh, experiences that uh, uh, fulfill uh, their dreams. 